Hello, friends, and thanks for joining us today for the Hillcrest Covenant Church podcast. This is a special episode as we begin our time of Lent together as a community during Ash Wednesday. Pastor Jen Zerby urges all of us to take a journey with Christ this Lenten season and to see what he can do even with ashes. Remember, you can watch our live stream on YouTube that happens Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., or you can always find us at hillcrestacalb.com. Grace and peace. Well, I was, uh, I was very recently giving my oldest brother a hard time because our high school alumni page announced that they were working on my brother's 30th class reunion. <laughs> and since I'm so much younger than him, naturally I found that hilarious. 30 years since he graduated high school just seems impossible to me. Sometimes we, we like going backwards. Some people, not me, but some people love things like school reunions. We like those, uh, those sense, like, Bill, but you love school reunions. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never, I've never been to one in my life. <clears throat> anyway, some people really like things like that. Uh, they like those, those kind of sentimental moments of, of gathering with friends or family and telling the stories of days gone by. It can be fun. It can be fun to relive certain experiences or certain memories. It can be fun to give each other a hard time about really bad haircuts or even worse, clothing choices. Sometimes going backwards is really fun. Other times, not so much. Other times you go out of your way to avoid driving by the scene of the accident. Or you wish the house where the awful things happened had burned to the ground or you can't stand the smell of the hospital or the nursing, home, the nursing home because it just reminds you of him. Or even now, even today, I imagine all of the people who will one day go back from the Ukraine, back to their homeland, back to their homes, and what will they find? Sometimes going back is so hard, and so we just want to keep going forward. And I think these past couple of years have been like that as well. Nothing, at least to me, feels particularly nostalgic about these last couple of years that we have spent during this pandemic. In fact, the strangest thing happened, this is the way my mind works, so welcome to my brain, but as I started thinking about the pandemic, this was, this was honestly the image that came to my mind. The image that came to my mind was the last time that I ever went into a haunted house. I was in sixth grade. Now, please keep in mind that I don't like anything scary, and I am terrified of anything that's dressed up or wearing a mask. So you can imagine I did real well in a haunted house. I was in sixth grade, and I, my eyes were closed, and my head was buried. And I don't even know if I knew the person in front of me, but my head was buried into the back of the person in front of me. And I was pushing them. I was pushing them like my life depended on it, to just go as fast as they possibly could until I couldn't, t- until I couldn't take it anymore. I screamed, and I had to leave. I, had to, I don't even know how they got me out, but I, couldn't, I could not take it anymore. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but that's how I feel about these last two years. I just want to push faster and faster in hopes that this whole experience would just be over and in hopes that we could just get outside and experience fresh air once again and that all the scary and awful, terrible things would be gone and everybody would be happy. This has not been a period of time that I would necessarily like to look back on. 
And so I also get that for some of you, it might feel a little more difficult to come to our Ash Wednesday service tonight than it usually does. This night always feels a little heavy to face. But then when we're exhausted from two years of a pandemic and there's a war happening right in front of our eyes, not only do we not want to look back, but we hardly even want to pause. Like the haunted house, we just want to close our eyes and push forward until things feel better again. But the reality is that I have also come to know and come to learn that there really is great value in going back, especially in the kingdom of God. Go back. Return. After all, isn't that why some of us end up coming to church? I came to church last Sunday, or, or maybe it was a few Sundays ago, or maybe it was 25 Sundays ago, or 25 years ago, but since then I have lost my way. I've gotten caught up in my own self, and my own life, and I forgot about the path that God has set before me, and I realized that I need to return. My heart needs to return to the Lord, not just for myself, but for the God who calls me, because God alone is worthy of the glory that I have been giving to all kinds of other things in my life. This unique season of Lent provides for us an opportunity to return to God not just with religion, not just with rituals like the, the prayer that we just prayed, but, but with all that we are. This is why I love Lent so much. Because even when the world feels so hard, and in a culture that does not want to slow down, let alone go back, Lent is a season where we are encouraged to pause, to stop, to listen to check in with yourself, to check in with your relationship with God. If you let it, Lent is a season of contemplation, of asking ourselves, in what ways have we strayed from God and from our relationship with him? Listen to these words from the Old Testament. Pastor Bill alluded to these earlier. Even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. There's a few passages that we use back and forth year after year after year, but this one's my favorite. This one's my favorite to use on Ash Wednesday. The prophet Joel spoke those words over the people of God who were in the midst of a really devastating situation. They were, in fact, experiencing a completely life-altering hardship. I know this is hard for us to imagine. We've got plagues of other kinds, especially these last two years, but a plague of locusts had destroyed absolutely everything in their lives. Everything. All of the crops of their land were gone, which meant that both the people and their animals were starving. But it also meant that their future was destroyed because they had nothing that they were able to plant for next year's crop. Everything was ruined. Their present, their future, everything. It was all gone. Despite the sadness in reading about these people, what I love about this passage is that it's such an unusual prophecy. Because unlike most of the other prophecies in the Old Testament, Joel doesn't blame anyone. He doesn't blame the people 
He doesn't blame God. He doesn't even blame the disaster itself. What he does do is simply describe the hard truth of their reality. And he describes it in no uncertain terms. It's a horrible situation. And he will not and cannot sugarcoat it. But then he goes one step further and he puts their awful, terrible reality side by side with the deeply compassionate call of God to return. It's this amazing and unusual story in scripture. As is true for many of you, Joel is keenly aware. He's keenly aware that awful, disastrous, heartbreaking things happen in this life. And so he just names it for what it is. Which means that he also gives us permission to do the same thing. And so we don't have to hide anything in this room tonight. And we don't have to fake anything in this room tonight. We don't have to pretend anything. We can name the hurt, and we can name the pain, and we can name the mistakes. We can name them exactly what they are. And in being honest about all of that, we then can return to God. Through Joel, in the midst of awful suffering, God calls his people to return. Return to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Joel reminds all of us that our call from God is to return to him, return to God with everything that we are, with everything that we possibly have to offer. Whether you've been following Jesus for 60 years or have just found your way to him recently, no matter what you do for a living or where you live or where you've come from, whether you go to church or don't go to church, God is calling you to return No matter what you have done or what has been done to you, God is calling you to return. Return to God. Renew your faith. Renew your trust. Renew your dependence on the God who made you and the God who loves you so relentlessly. And so how do we do this? How do we do that? This is the part of the passage I love most. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. What does that mean? To rend your hearts and not your clothing. In ancient times when the people of God were grieving, they would literally tear their clothes as an act of devotion, as an act of sacrifice, and as a sign of their grief. It was part of how they showed God that they really meant what they were saying and that they really meant what they were feeling, what they were experiencing. And that's why I love this line. Because into a culture that was all about, all about ritual, God said to them, return to me with all your hearts. With fasting, with weeping, with mourning, rend your hearts and not your clothing. Meaning, I don't, I don't want your sacrifices. I don't want your rituals. If you're serious about returning to me, return to me with your whole heart instead. It's hard for a lot of us. We don't want to go back. We don't want to go back and we don't want to stop and we don't want to face all the hard things. We don't want to face the pain. We don't want to face our brokenness. We don't want to face our deceit or our selfishness or our shame or our pride. We don't want to face it. We don't want to face our depravity. We struggle to admit our need for a savior and we certainly don't want to be reminded that from dust we came and to dust we will return But we have to remember that the prophet Joel didn't just call everyone to return to God. He reminded them 
of the God that they were returning to. Return to the Lord with all that you are, with weeping over what you have become and what you've done, with mourning over your self-centeredness, with broken brokenness for all of the things of the world, for the people you have turned away, for the people who have turned away from the Lord. But forget rituals. Don't tear your clothes anymore. Tear your hearts wide open before the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is gracious and merciful and he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Jesus said, come to God in honesty and intimacy and vulnerability and you will be blessed. And so as is our practice here each Ash Wednesday at Hillcrest, let's ask ourselves the question that we need to ask. How are things between you and God? How are things between you and God? Not how is your church attendance. Not how are you doing at being nice in the world. How are things between you and God? Do you feel close to him? If not, how come? What is getting in the way? Is it time? Is it, is it resentment? Is it anger? Is it grief? Is it shame? Is it avoidance? Are there things that you are trying to keep hidden from God? hidden from others that you really, really need to be freed from tonight? Are you stuck in that destructive cycle of using one mistake to cover up another mistake or one lie to cover up another lie? Are you willing tonight to come to terms with the truth that you might be living in a way other than the way that God desires for you to live? In a world that loves to claim our independence, are you ready tonight to acknowledge your need for a savior? And so tonight, God invites us to return to him. To begin this season of Lent by coming forward, to put ashes on your head in the form of a cross, which in addition to what Pastor Bill taught on tonight is also the symbol that was probably used on most of your bodies with water at the time of your baptism. A reminder that even though these ashes remind us of death, we know that Easter is coming. We don't receive these ashes solely to mark ourselves as sinful people, but also as a reminder that tonight, when you are ready, that we have made a decision to turn back to God. This isn't just a moment of depravity. It's a reminder that a new journey is about to begin whether this is the first time you've done this or the 70th time you've done this, today's a new day for a new journey. This isn't a moment for us to remember all that we are not. It's a moment to remember all that God is. And so no matter what this year looked like for you, globally, personally, we can return to God this night because he is gracious and compassionate. We don't have to claw our way back to God. And we cannot earn our way back to God. We just have to return. To trust that God is who he says he is and to know that there is nothing in all of this world that can separate us from the compassion and mercy of Christ this night. And so tonight we remember our humanity and we remember our sinfulness and we remember our mortality. But above all, we remember that no matter how far from God we are in this exact moment, we are invited back to him, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love.
And so friends, return to God this night and begin your journey anew. Let's pray together. Lord, I know that we are in, in lots of different places in our own journeys of faith here in this room tonight. Some of us may be new. Some of us, Lord, may be just coming back to church for the first time in, in decades. Some of us have been here faithfully Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year for decades. And so, God, I just pray that no matter where we are in our journey of faith, that you would push us toward you, that you would pull us toward you, that you would draw us toward you, that you would remind us, Lord, never to be complacent. God, and especially for those of us who have been in church for a really long time, would you remind us, Lord, tonight that this is still an opportunity for us to start a brand new journey? Even if we have been in your word and we have loved you our whole lives and this is our 75th Ash Wednesday, Lord, you still have something new for us. You still have a new journey to begin in us. And Lord, for those who are here tonight who are struggling, who are, who are just feeling far from you and disconnected from you and unsure if you're even here, God, I pray that you would speak our name, that you would speak your words of compassion and mercy over us, that we would feel you drawing us closer to yourself tonight. God, we thank you that we get to begin this journey with Jesus, his last 40 days here on earth. We thank you, God, that we don't have to do that journey alone. And so, God, as we begin this, this Lenten journey together tonight, would you hear us calling you to return? We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Bill up, and in just a moment, we're going to invite you to come up to, uh, to receive ashes. And as we do that, I just want to read part of a, this is just part of a poem that was written by somebody named Jan Richardson. She says, all these days you feel like dust, like dirt as if all you had to do was turn your face toward the wind and be scattered to the four corners or swept away by the smallest breath as, as unsubstantial. Did you not know what the Holy One can do with dust? So let us be marked not for sorrow, and let us be marked not for shame. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking we are less than we are but let us be marked for claiming what God can do within the dust. And so when you're ready, we invite you forward to see what God can do within the dust. <laughs>